Do you know what? I'm just going to be truthful. The first person came to mind there for me was Pete O'Mahony. Nice. An old head. Yeah, because I actually think with Arne especially, he's back, he's back playing some of his best rugby. <laughs> Do you know? He, so he's like, he'd obviously fight with a pillowcase, but he's kind of <laughs> <laughs> doing that in the fact that he's not upsetting anyone else around him. Do you know? Oh, and he's he picking is. his moments. He's absolutely fantastic. The breakdown. Joe presents House of Rugby. Together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces. Hello and welcome back to House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland. Firstly, I just want to wish you a very happy new year We're into 2023. Uh, 2022 is behind us and there was loads of good rugby on over the last couple of weeks. We had the Interpros on the very first day of the year. We had Leinster versus Connacht, and we obviously had Ulster versus Munster. So we'll get stuck into the Leinster match first. 41-12, they beat Connacht in the RDS. Oh, my God. The lads weren't caught up over Christmas and all drinking too much or eating too much because they were flying it. All the young fellas were, were going really, really well. We had Rob Russell on the wing. We had Josh Vanderfeer, best player in the world, flying it on the wing as well. It was absolutely nuts to see. Um, but before we actually tuck into the game, I just want to um, chat about our talisman Johnny Sexton who was off getting an x-ray I'd say today um, he got a big knock into the cheekbone um, when he went into a little collision with Jared Butler so we're fingers crossed that Johnny isn't um, out for a couple of weeks he could be out to six to eight weeks if that cheekbone injury is a bad fracture which would approach the Six Nations which wouldn't be ideal for us um, but obviously we have other people that can step into the into his boots like Jack Crowley who played really well for Munster who we'll talk about in a while um, and another guy who stepped up in the Leinster Connacht game was David Hawkshaw who used to play for Leinster as we all know and now he's flying the ship over in uh, over in the west unfortunately it looks like he might have hurt his leg who would be going for a, an x-ray scan today as well so fingers crossed David Hawkshaw isn't too bad because he's in flying form but to talk about the game like Leinster just came straight out of the blocks like I think it was two minutes into the game. We had uh, Liam, who, went, who was playing at 13. He read an unbelievable jo- line. Johnny popped in the ball. He went under the sticks. And it just set the tone for the game. And, and we, they ran in seven tries in total. One of them being Josh Vanderfleer on the wing, which is just such a flex out of him. Like, the world player of the year, who's supposed to be a back row, one of the biggest lads in the pitch, goes out to the wing and scores a scorcher of a try. He's just unstoppable. And it just shows the, like, unbelievable versatility of Leinster. Um, the fact they didn't have all their top guys playing and they're still able to mix around like that and uh, and score some unbelievable tries against a decent Connacht team. Connacht were fairly stacked. I know they were missing Bundy Aki and one or two others, but they uh, they definitely were were still having a good team lining out like Dara and Niall Murray, who were brothers in the second row. They had great games. Um, so a really good win for Leinster, who are now 11 from 11 in the URC, undefeated at the top. Don't know if anyone can catch them. We thought Ulster might be chasing them down for a while, but Ulster falling off over the Christmas period. So uh, Leinster are going really, really well. And Connacht, they're struggling now as well, down to 13th. Um, so it's a bit of a precarious situation for Connacht. Hopefully they can pull it back together um, over the next while. But also want to give a quick shout out to Jordan Larmer, who is back with his dancing feet. The man cannot be tackled one-on-one. He's undefendable one-on-one. Um, it was incredible to see what he did to Tiernan O'Halloran for his first try. And then he scored again after that. So Jordan Larmer is back in flying form, which is perfect timing for him. With the Six Nations coming up and the World Cup coming up. And to stick up his hand to get one of those winger places in the Irish team. I'm sure Andy Farrell was looking at him. And our very own Jimmy O'Brien uh, acquitted himself very well at 15. 
Um, just another um, match under his belt showing how good he is and he's one of the best players in Ireland at the moment. So well done, Jimmy. And moving on to my very own Munster who were up the north playing against Ulster who got a last-minute win, 15-14. Ben Healy came on and saved the day. Incredible stuff. Scored the try and uh, got the last-minute kick to win it. And Dan McFarnell, the head coach of Ulster, was not happy at all. He absolutely tore into his players, which I'm sure he's regretting a little bit. I'd say the blood just was boiling after the game. And I'll read out some of the things he said. He said, we were terrible. I think that's as poor as we've been in a long time. Referring to them losing, I think, four out of the five last games, just scraping past Connacht at Christmas time. And he said, it should have never come down to the last kick of the game there. I think we're, we were in their 22 11 times and lost the ball on 10 occasions. They scored the one really good try. Um, but it was just not good enough. And he even questioned how much they cared. So Dan McFarland is fuming with um, the way his team is playing at the moment. But look, maybe all hope isn't lost. Um, there's a big season ahead. We're only kind of halfway through the season at the moment. So I'd say the review up in uh, Ulster today isn't great. Uh, but look, M- Munster did turn out. They had a lot of young fellas playing and they all stepped up. And there's the likes of Peter Manny and Joey Carberry were missing. And then we had Ben Healy coming back on. We had Jack Crowley, who got man of the match. We had Anton Frisch. We had Fekitoa in the centre. And it was actually a very bold move out of Graham Roundtree. He took Fekitoa off after 50 minutes, moved Jack Crowley to 12 and put Ben Healy at 10, which is an interesting move to see. That's a couple of times now we've seen Jack Crowley playing at 12. He's just so versatile. And what I love to see is that the break he made towards the end of the game he beat five defenders and for an out half to do that like you wouldn't see Johnny Sexton doing that beating five defenders so that's another element of Jack Crowley's game um, that might just give him that uh, shirt over Joey Carberry as we move into the Six Nations and the World Cup but who knows who knows it's just really good to see Munster playing playing really really well and they won 15-14 as I mentioned um, So, but Munster still only sit ninth in the URC table and Ulster have slipped down to third so it's not going too well. Um, I don't know if Munster can call us their way back up into the top four places um, in the URC, but it is positive to get a win starting the new year and we'll see um, what else is in store in the URC in 2023. But up now, I actually linked up with Lindsay and Jason Hennessy to talk about 2022 and hand out some awards for House of Rugby together with Bank of Ireland and preview 2023 and everything we have to look forward to. Listen to this. We have Lindsay here as always, but we also have rolled out the old head, Jason Hennessy, rugby lad. How are you? Welcome back. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm great to have you back in the studio. Oh, I'm finally recovered now. Look, I was dying sick last week. I was over in France for the Leinster match. Not even, not only did I have to watch Leinster absolutely pulverise Rassing. You are welcome. <laughs> but then I absolutely died in the airport on the way home and was even supposed to be on the show last week and couldn't crawl. 50 metres from the hotel to the studio. I was that bad, so... Mm, you look much man better now. Going around, it's a bit of a man's Excuse fear. me, I actually had an infection, right? I actually was on steroids. I was on antibiotics. I was actually quite sick, right? I, I want so. to yawn, but I actually... <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it wasn't COVID, so we have no sympathy for you here. Right, what do you mean? Like? We just want you back in for your rugby brain and rugby knowledge. Oh, I don't know about that one now. <laughs> I'll, I'll be opening up. We missed you. Welcome oh, back. See, you could know, give I him a bit more I don't know if Greg did, but I, mean, I know you did, and I know Pat did. So. Yeah, but of course I did, Jason. Of course I did. <laughs> well, in this show, we kind of want to do a wrap-up because we've come towards the end of the calendar year of 2022. And we're just going to recap on our best moments, maybe worst moments, craziest moments, and look forward then to 2023, where we have a Six Nations and a World Cup. But first of all, we'll go to you, Lindsay. Ladies first. 
would you have your favorite moment of 2022 in rugby, obviously? Oh, yeah, because <laughs> I was going to use your claps before <laughs> we started the show. That would definitely be my favorite. Um, my favorite moment. Um, do you know what? I'm going to pick a weird one. I think just Ireland going into the autumn series and clearing it off as world number one with three wins um, and standing up to that title and not capitulating or faltering under the pressure. Um, it's a kind of weird one, but that's my standout moment because I think everyone questioned, you know, we're trying to curb the enthusiasm going into a World Cup year. It's happened to us before going in as world number one. Um, but I think there were three tests against some, obviously Fiji, not so much, but it was a poor performance, really. Uh, it didn't go to plan, but we got the win and we obviously bounced back against Australia. So the three wins, the stand up was world number one and kind of answer our critics. And like Andy Farrell wanted us to do, take it on and stand up to it and be proud of it. That was probably my standout moment. And I know we'll probably, between the two years, cover um, the tour of New Zealand, but that's going to be mine. Mm. I'm surprised, Lindsay. Are you, why? Because there was a little tournament on in New Zealand during the year. Obviously, the Women's World Cup. That surely is up there as no, one of your I best moments. No, it can't be. I wasn't there. So, okay. of course, I'm not going to pick that. But the right. fact that it happened and how good it was. Okay, my stand. Yeah, okay, thank you for that. But the World Cup, the, w- the final itself, actually, was another yeah. standout moment for me. Um, yeah. So thanks. I'll pick an Irish one and a, an international one. So thank you, Greg, for that. No but yeah, I thought the Women's World Cup final in New Zealand were unbelievable considering all the crap they went through in the kind of lead up to it. And then Wayne Smith comes in, does his, just works his magic ways. Six months, turns them around and they, some of the rugby they played was yeah. unbelievable. So yeah, I'll pick an Irish and then obviously the Women's we'll World Cup. We'll give you the two, yeah. yeah. The Irish men's team in the Automation Series, you're right. Great stepping stone going into next year. Um, but I do think I'm agreeing with you that this year for women's rugby was a massive stepping stone yes. in the sense of just for world recognition of how good the women's rugby players are. And funny enough, I was actually in Dubai Sevens hanging around with Stacey Fluler for three days. She's unbelievable, isn't she? Unbelievable. Man. What a player and what a person. What a per- One of the best players in the world, if mm-hmm. not the best. I know she didn't get world player of the year. The out half did. But um, I was hanging out with Stacey and she's just so chill. Like, no aura about her, didn't have this big ego. And I'd, I'd forget that I was just sitting there with basically the Brian O'Driscoll of women's rugby, like, you yeah. know. And, she, <laughs> and was she was standing out in that final. Holy Lord, yeah. Her yeah. offload for the try um, to kind of win it and turn the game for them, like, it was unbelievable. And I thought she was, yeah, definitely one of the mm. standout players. And, yeah, it's kind of the New, T- New Zealand ethos, isn't it? They're just, like, world class, but there's just their culture and... You know how they love the game of rugby. Yeah, um, it yeah. just you know it doesn't faze them. So I'm delighted for women's rugby now. It's been a great year for them and it a has. good spectacle. Yeah, um, so poor England like, but sure, look, these things happen. Good for New Zealand to get the win in New Zealand. Jason, rugby lad. Yes. It's hard for you to pick mm. a best moment of 2022 because you watch every second of rugby there is to be watched. <laughs> so how are you going to pick it? It is my job at the end of the day, and I, I will admit I do enjoy it. But um, I'm going to be greedy. I'm going to go with two moments because it's impossible to try and just to. come back to one. But Lindsay first two, of all, so. yeah, exactly. Lindsay. If you get two, I get two. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> only fair. I'm the band that are fair. Exactly, exactly. Uh, first up, I have to go with uh, go back to the New Zealand series. I think that second test. Be I know the third test was the one that clinched it, but to beat New Zealand for the first time in New Zealand mm-hmm. and having lost the first test in the manner in which they lost it, they were kind of written off for like, oh, here we go again now. And I remember going back to Darren Cave when he had us on the show last year and he was like, it's going to be 3-0. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone, a lot of people thought that. And to go out and beat them in the manner that they beat them. And I know New Zealand are probably a far cry of what they have been in the last few years. But that's a moment that we'll never forget. You know, as in it's... It's New Zealand rugby, mm. like it's it's probably the hardest place in the world to go down and win a test match. 
and they did it. They did it comprehensively, and it was just an incredible game of rugby. Um, second of all, then, I think for, for multiple reasons, I have to look at the, <coughs> the Munster versus South Africa A match in Parky Cueve. Great choice. Just simply because going into that game, we weren't doing the best. Very bad start to the season. You know, no one was really like massively looking forward to kind of thinking, what kind of state is, rugby, is, is Munster rugby in at the moment? First time playing in, in Parky Cueve, 40 odd thousand there, and to come out and steamroll them in the first half and to. It just brought me back to the Munster days of old. And I know we have, we've, we've improved since then. I wouldn't necessarily call it a catapult, but it has helped our season and it has moved Munster on and they're definitely in a much better position than they were before that game. So, yeah, moments like that, like I think that's a moment we'll go back in and we'll reflect on it the same way we reflect on that, that Maori victory, the same way we reflected on that Australia victory, the same way we reflect on that 2008 game where we nearly beat them only for that Rock of Foco try. But uh, yeah, that's one of those magical. I know it wasn't Tomo Park, but I think Parky Cueve is somewhere. I think Munster will should look to go back to again because that was a that was a special night in Cork. Mm. I agree with you. I think in this season for Munster, that's a pivotal moment because it seemed to have bonded the players. And there was like young guys getting involved. Paddy Patterson had an unreal game and an even better interview afterwards. <laughs> like it that has to be an understandable <laughs> moment. Understand it's funny, funny. Yeah, it is. Effing him blind into the cameras, loving his life. Yeah, I absolutely love. I love the way you got no stick as well for it. It was just everyone laughed it off and like let Paddy do his thing. Um, so I think there was a real turning point. I know Munster really haven't shot to stardom since then, but the uh, performances have gotten better since then. Haven't Jason? Yeah, hundred percent, definitely. Like I think they're on the right path. I think. Uh, He's still kind of giving the young guys a, a, a chance to play. I mean, if you look at that that game against Northampton, I mean, that second half, that spell of 20 to 25 minutes of defence is some of the best defence you'll see in European I rugby. I was very impressed with it. You know, I mean, I know Northampton weren't the best sides attacking-wise and they were very, very narrow. But like that defence, that's the Munster defence of old. And he's building something down there. Look, I know we're miles behind Leinster. We're probably miles behind three or four teams in Europe at the moment. But they're building something there. They're not the, the team that everyone thought they were at three or four games in. I do think that they'll probably push on and get a top eight position in the URC. I do think they'll probably qualify from their group and mm. maybe push on to a quarterfinal, maybe get past the last 16, depending on how things go. Um, you know yourself, Tone Park is always a fortress. And the way, the, the way it works this year, I mean, Connacht got through last year after winning one game. Mm. So, I mean, they had a, a win against Northampton. I know they lost to Lewis. Probably going to struggle to beat Toulouse and Toulouse, but... Yeah. I don't see him not beating Northampton at home and possibly getting a bonus point. So there's hope yet for, there is. for Wally Almunster. Yeah, definitely. For a big moment in that Northampton game as well, which I loved, which comes back to how they're just a band of brothers now like us all together. Ah. Was when <laughs> Thanks, Craig. <laughs> was when Jack O'Donoghue was getting a baiting of two Northampton ah, fellas yes. and Mike Haley sprints over. Keith Earls catapulted Keith in his Earls comes in. <laughs> Joey Carberry's in yeah. there. I think Craig Casey even came oh, in yeah. to throw his weight on top of it. Like it's just <laughs> that's old like, school. That's old school all the boys are in, all are in. Like One it's in like the it. what's it called? The Lions call. What was it? The ninety-nine call. Yeah. The yeah. Lions ninety-nine call of all in. One in, all in, kind of that's thing. I like, loved it. Like, and that was the thing. Everyone fought. So they're like, all right, well, we can't carry everyone. Yeah. So just carried the first two lads. <laughs> send them off. Like I loved it. I was like, that's proper now. Old school monster rugby there now, and they seem to have really be bonding down there, which is great to see. Um, so that's another good I picked up a load of little moments there but mm. my main one for, for yeah. me I'm bringing it back home uh, is the sevens lads 
getting third in the world and down so in Cape impressive. Town. So yeah. impressive. I think it's just amazing. From where these guys have come from, and I think the team wasn't even in existence in 2015. Mm. wasn't a thing. program wasn't a thing. Dave Nusifora creates the program for men and women, and still it's a farce. Like I was involved at that time, right? We were driving out to DCU on the weekends, UCD on early mornings, lads would go off to college, go to work, like flying over to places called like Woods in, in Poland. You don't even know where that is. Like, that's no. the kind of crazy place. It's when you were in the lower conference initially, wasn't yeah, it? Like, yeah. yeah. Moscow, we went a couple of times. Like, crazy places, man. We went to Uruguay and Chile. Just flying all over the world, trying to get experience playing games. And obviously, we got to the World Cup, World Series, and Olympics. But that group of people moved on, me being one of them. And a new batch came in, and they, they are performing so well. And to come third in the world Shots. is just amazing. Yeah. Like, if you think of the 15s team come third next year in the World Cup, we'll help. Probably have a we'd public be, holiday. We'd be yeah, delighted. We'd be, a new we'd be over the moon yeah. if we got finished third in the world. That means we could pass the quarter yeah. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. And, and also a, a, ta- a tip to the hat to Josh Van der Fleer and Terry getting World Player of the Year, both of them. Just yeah. incredible for two Irish people to get it, isn't it? Yeah. And Amy Lee Murphy Crow as well. Just, uh, what, 50 caps, was it? Or 50 tries? I oh, can't remember. I think it was 100 sorry. tries, isn't it? 100 tries, sorry. Um, yeah, she's just again leading there. So to see all the Irish come and and kind of flying the flag like it's it's serious. Yeah, and the we're men. Not, we're not bad at the old rugby, are we? Like in fairness, to us. We're not bad. We're not bad at all now. Like to have some of the best players in the world <laughs> and to be the number one team in the world. We're not doing too bad. So there, there are. Bring on Paris. So moving on to the next kind of thing we want to cover for this year was the breakthrough players. We want a male and a female. So uh, Lindsay will go to you first. Your breakthrough player of the year, twenty twenty two. I'm going to say Dan Sheehan uh, for me. I just think at Leinster he broke through, took uh, opportunity of his, you never want to see lads injured, but when Kelleher got injured um, and then not only that, he comes into an Irish jersey and he's done the same thing and he's been he's been pivotal and he's just had, you know, he's out in the wing there taking on players, scoring tries from halfway. I just think he's been, he's been standout for me for a young guy and again, just epitomizes that you know like obviously you know we've had jimmy on the show and, and we're trying to tap into what leinster's secret is but there's just he's just there's no dropping him you know even their their win against uh, uh gloucester there was just no drop when Kelleher went, went off and he came on and then it's behind the back pass he just does everything so for me that was him um the two so dan o'brien i'm gonna pick uh for a kind of irish standout now she's obviously very young 18 only went on the tour to France the historical tour with the Irish team to France um, but I've played against her this year she played with Old Belvo I think she's top of the point scorer charts um, little deft chips in behind and we haven't had a 10 to really secure that so I think success success um, is going to be central as, we, as we've seen over the years with Johnny Sexton and Ron O'Gara and for me hopefully she's the next kind of pivotal player to come up for Ireland and considering we had a women's world cup uh, year I'm going to go with Sophie Dugudi who's the number eight for Canada. She's only 23. Mom and dad are both professional, ex-professional athletes. Um, I think she's played pro with basketball and ice hockey. But anyway. Super sorry like yourself, so. I wish, geez, I was wish. Thanks very much. <laughs> I wish I was up to her level. I wish I was 23 again as well. Um, but I thought for the World Cup, she was standout for, for, for Canada for such a young age. And I think uh, she's definitely broke out this year, but definitely one to watch for the future as well. 100%. She's a class player. Well done. Two good nominations there Thank for the women's much. player. As per usual. Oh, thank you, sir. Jason, your breakthrough players of the year, male and I, female. I'm going to go male. I'm going to go for our boy Mac. I know he broke onto the scene towards the end of 2021, but it was 2022 when he, in that Six Nations, that game against Wales, he was absolutely unbelievable. And people were kind of like, no one expected him to get in so quickly. None of us did. And then he comes onto the scene straight away. And then a couple of weeks later, that try against France. 
I mean, that pluck from the sky in the 2022 Six Nations was kind of like, holy shit, this guy is the real deal. And since then, he hasn't looked back. And you could almost say he's one of the first names on the Irish team sheet, mm. which is crazy. He's still only in his second season. Mm. This is a guy who kind of came out of nowhere from Australia who no one had ever heard of. And now he's one of the best players in the number one team in the world. That's pretty bloody impressive as far as I'm concerned. And he played a pivotal role in, in New Zealand. He was important again in the autumn. And I just think he's just, he just a very likable character, very skillful player. He, uh, he's not your typical one-dimensional winger. You know what I mean? Like he gets involved. He comes in off his wing a lot. He's a playmaker. Beautiful hands, beautiful pass. And he's just a, he's just a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Exactly. You know what I mean? I think Jason fancies Mac Hansen. Man, Mac Hansen's the coolest guy in the world. Mac, I, lo- I love you, Mac. I love you. I love you. We like it. But uh, yeah, we do. yeah. And then from a female perspective, I have to go for Ruby Tui because I just think, same yeah. again, I think she's like a female version of him. It's like you can just see she loves her rugby and she's damn good at it. Yeah. And mm. to me, like that's, I love players that play with a smile on their face. Because there's enough seriousness in the world and rugby in itself is a serious enough game. So when you, it's not very often in this day and age that you see many players that are characters because mm. they're all so bloody media trained and they're all so boring and they're this and they're that mm. when it comes to their answers. So to see players like that who are just out there and you know they love what they're doing. They're just, they, they, they feel they're blessed mm. to be able to play rugby. Yeah as their career, you know, and to play on the highest stage. So, yeah, I'm going to go for her. And as, as I said, she's shit hot then as well as a player, which helps on top of all of that. Like, so. She's class. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. so. she's re- they're really good ones now. I agree with both of them. They were kind of on my short list, those two. Uh, so my breakthrough players of the year, male is going to be Keen Prendergast. Nice. nice. Yeah. Nice. I know it's a bit of a different one for me to pick a flanker, especially over in Connacht. But... I just think consistency out of him for such a young lad. Mm. I'm not sure exactly his age, but I know he's early 20s. And he plays week in, week out for Connacht. Mostly gets man of the match. And he's brought into the Irish team, got his cap. And by all accounts, he's the real deal. Like, And it's a tough place we're breaking into now is the back row <sighs> yeah, for the Irish fun. team. And he's sticking up your hand. So I'm really impressed with him, especially because his story is he started in Leinster. Yeah. and was in Leinster schools and then got didn't get the contract and got brought over to Connacht. And he's just kind of obviously hardened up over mm. there. I think he's going to be a uh, hundred capper, hundred fifty capper for Connacht, and be all your team for years, like yeah. easy if not more. So Keen Prendergast, well done, keep it up, my man. And my female one, it was going to be Ruby Tui, but Jason took that one. But uh, <laughs> I just think her overall story really good in the sevens world, yeah. unbelievable in the fifteens world. But also what she did with giving her medal to that supporter. Yes, yes, I forgot to mention that, yeah. Yeah, absolute touch of class out of her. And online she's very positive. So if you're looking for a positive mm. female sports person to follow, Ruby too, he's very good. But I also want to give a shout out to well, it's not really a breakthrough player, but kind of break back into the scene is Abby Dow. Abby Dow after a really bad leg break. Yeah. yeah. Um Abby Dow on the scoring w- record, yeah. Yeah, Abby Dow on the wing for England. She, she broke her leg and wasn't going to get me- back into the team. No, didn't think she'd make the World Cup. Had a really bad double break, as far as I know, with her <laughs> club wasps last year. Um, and probably made it backward in the year. And then to start, she scored a phenomenal try in the semi-final, I think, against USA. Uh, no, against Canada, I beg your pardon. Uh, talking about running the ball. Um, mm. Yeah, England ran with Claudia McDonald, and then obviously wasp, ex-wasp teammates got her through. Um She's a phenomenal player, Abigail. And yeah. again, you can imagine the work that went in behind the scenes to rehab to get back from a double 100%. leg break. Like, I mean, and then to break back into a team that is absolutely stunning. number one team in the world at oh, the time, like you know, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So she's been standing out. Good choice. Incredible. So break back in, really, Abigail. She's yeah. been around a while. So unbelievable shift out of her. Some good players named there, guys. Well done. Yeah. 
Good stuff. And the next question I have uh, for you guys is the craziest moment of the year, the most bonkers moment of the year um, from 2022 in rugby. Do you have any that come to mind? I picked um, <laughs> I picked uh, Matthew Reynal, his decision in the Australia game against the All Blacks. <laughs> when he <laughs> turned it over and like obviously... Uh, Bernard Foley's about to take his penalty as his own 22 and then for time wasting he decides he'd call it up and, and, and turn it over and give the All Blacks a scrum which, from which they scored off and sure uh, Australia <laughs> were, gone, were, on, were winning at that stage and I was just like sorry what? So that's my craziest now there's probably a load I don't know if we saw was it this weekend Cock cleared a rook where he did a WWE move that was Yes one. that was it he did yeah, kind of a he like, suplexed him and got a yellow card He suplexed him and I was like <laughs> okay Actually, of all the players, I couldn't <laughs> expect you to do that, but I didn't think you He would. was so apologetic. He knew straight away, because you said before, he's not the nicest guy ever. He was all apologies. He had his hands up, and he was, I'm so sorry, I don't know what I did. <laughs> yeah, know. he kind of had one of them autopilot moments, didn't he? He was ah, like, boosh, and then he was like... Brain fart, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I thought I was playing with the kids in the bed. I was like, <laughs> So yeah, they're probably my two. But they're yeah, the, the referee decision, I was like, this is bonkers. What the hell? Yeah, Matthew Reynald. And he hasn't really got back to having a big game since then. No, he it's had an ridiculous. absolute meltdown, then had a break, and I'm not sure he's come back any better, really. But anyway, that's my opinion. Yeah, well done. Good one. Tip, tip of the hat to the refs there. You, Jason, what do you think the most bonkers moment of the year or crazy moment that comes oh, to mind? Matt Williams' comments. It's the most bonkers, stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life, and it still annoys me I to know, this day. Yeah. Just for him to come out and for him to keep digging and digging and digging over that Nick White incident. Probably the most prehistoric uh, diner, or what am I looking for? Like, just... What? Dinosaur. Just, yeah, he's just a dinosaur. <laughs> like, what's the correct word I'm looking for there just to call him a bloody... But yeah, it's just that, that moment. Like, I just couldn't believe my ears, my eyes, everything. Just looking at him going, what are you saying? Shut up. Are you still going on? What are you talking about? It's absolute nonsense. Why are you on television? Sorry. So, yeah. It's just... It's just Yeah, sorry. Someone hit don't, pause on that, man. Yeah, don't, don't sack me. Like, but as, you know, especially after what happened during the game. I mean, it was quite obvious. And then what happened afterwards and the fact that he was stood down and... It just annoys me to see things like that said. So yeah, that's my craziest moment because I still can't believe he actually said that. Yeah, I completely agree with you. <laughs> Matt Williams, I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> Even if that is his opinion, read the room, like understand what the majority of people think about the situation. People are very emotional about it. Um, so it's very silly out of him. Yeah. Like there was he's like that. He's like that uncle, right? That's you're gonna like we're all gonna have one at Christmas time who's sitting in the corner drinking cans and you're like, Will you shut up? And stop going on, you're digging your hole even deeper and he'll try and tell you all his opinions mm. and you just sit in the corner drinking cans and sucking <laughs> on whiskey, sipping on whiskey like and we all have one. That's what he is. And everyone's on a roster, right? It's your turn. Now. Yeah, it's your turn to go over to him, him no and to burn the yeah. ear off you for a while. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, I'm interested to see how that concussion chat uh, progresses now going towards the World Cup next year because it's obviously it's a serious issue. We don't want to make this too deep, but uh, Matt Williams, yeah, bonkers moment out of you, brother, saying all that stuff. <laughs> uh, my bonkers moment of the year, craziest moment of the year. It's kind of like a whole encapsulation of just Razzie Erasmus on social media. Ah. Yeah. Just as a director of rugby of the best <laughs> team in the world, and he's just flat out on Twitter. I love it. Mm. I just think it brings a bit of personality. I love it to the point before he starts kind of abusing refs and like analyzing their yeah. game for the world to have opinions mm. on it. Because we all know that most people don't understand rugby. We don't even understand everything the refs have to deal with. So like, why should we be having opinions on what they're doing? Like, it should be all be kept behind closed doors, which I think is the new protocol now. Yeah. But just Razzie as just a gas man, the director of rugby doing what he wants on Twitter, and it's worked because he got what he yeah. wanted. 
And yeah. sure, did he not fill the Webb Ellis Cup with wine? Was it another clip? <laughs> sure, he filled it with plenty yeah. of wine, I'd say, more than once. No, yeah, more yeah. than <laughs> <laughs> Give me your finest stock around and I'll just fill it. <laughs> He's a smart man. He knows how to get things done, in fairness to him, Razzie. And I think he has a couple of things up his sleeve for next year. Uh, that's what I'm waiting to see now. What like what is he going to pull out of the, the rabbit's hat now next year in 2023 between probably bamboozling bamboozling us on Twitter or doing something he, will he be water boy will he be just something <laughs> hidden you know, we've lost, we've boy lost Eddie Nolix all we have left is Rassi left although we have Gats coming back in now as well to bro- stir a bit of trouble oh, and get the old spoon going yeah. like so yeah so it'll be interesting like the baddie coming back in Fair City welcome <laughs> back Warren Gatlin yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we'll see now with 2023 fast <laughs> approaching we have the Six Nations first and then we have the World Cup what are we thinking in rugby predictions? If I have to say it to Bodhi, what are we thinking for winner of Six Nations and then moving on to World Cup, winner of the World Cup? That's the thing. You'd love to, you obviously want to default to Ireland for the Six Nations, but I don't think it'd be in our best interest now to win the Six Nations. I think we need to go in under the radar. So I'm hoping like Scotland win the Six Nations. Oh my God. <laughs> Just going to like, be off the wall. And because um, we'll have a bit of consistency of Finn Russell now with the new million contract, right? A million pound contract. He's going to be central to all that. And a lot of dollar bills. A lot of dollar That's bills. a lot of dollar bills. And then for the World Cup, yeah, Ireland to win it. <laughs> nice. I like it. Just say it straight out. Straight out. Yeah, why not? Scotland for the Six Nations <laughs> and Ireland for the World Cup. Okay. Crazier things have happened. Well, listen, if we're going to go crazy, I'm going to go balls out crazy. So that's my two predictions. I like it. What are you <laughs> thinking, Jason? I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, to be honest with you, but I'm thinking Grand Sam and win the World Cup, like, basically. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that's, you know, I think that's, that's taking the pressure off me yeah, anyway. I think Thank that's pretty you. much. Uh, you hope re- that or you think that? Oh, that. why not? Like, you gotta, like, you got to expect it. Gotta ex- no, look, if I'm honest, I would be happy enough with a second or third place finish in the Six Nations. That would be fine. But there's two ways of looking at it. You can kind of go, I want to come in under the radar. Do you want to do that? Which is a lot of teams have done that approach. Well, maybe... Uh, intentionally or unintentionally, mm. and it has worked for the likes of South Africa and stuff in the past, or do you not just want to own this number one in the world, like Andy Farrell said, and go in like in New Zealand and go, we want to win every game. And if we want to win the World Cup, we keep winning. Yeah. You See, know? So that's so the way I look at it. Like, there's two different ways of looking at it. Like, but well, what do we learn, you see? So I'm, so I'm kind of saying as fans, yeah, under the radar. But like if you're a coach and mm. you're winning everything around you, where do you look? You learn more from losing than winning. So how do yeah, we keep we that? lost enough over the years. I agree with you. <laughs> no, I know. You know what I mean? But look at New Zealand. Like New Zealand never had that attitude. And to New Zealand, that was you just keep winning. This We're is the true. best. Be, become unbeatable. Yeah. And like I think rugby has gotten so competitive now. And there's so many teams now that can win it. And you look at France now. France are unbeaten in a calendar year. And they've only lost one game to France. That's the only game we've lost. So if you want to come in to this World Cup, you need to come oh. with your chest out and yeah. like be like, okay, yeah, nobody, nobody's beaten us yet and no one's going to beat us. Yeah. Do you know? And I think that's, yeah, maybe that flying under radar thing, I don't know if it'll work because there's just, it's just so bloody competitive. Mm. I mean, England are going to have Botwick coming in as well. I think Botwick can do a job for them in six months and turn them around just based on the roster that they have. Yeah, true, and the players like available to them. Right England, and the money. Like, yeah, and they are on the love's nice little cute side of the draw. Like, remember, guys, right? <laughs> when you know, but when you get to the quarterfinals, right? Only one, sorry, only two out of out of South Africa, New Zealand, France, and Ireland. Only two of those teams can get to the semi-finals of the World Cup. And two big ones will be gone. Two of them are gone before you get to semi-finals. Like, so straight away, then like it's advantage England, it's advantage Wales even on the other side of the draw. Do you know Australia can always like Rennie can do something with Australia and they can come in. So you could have a final there, like where it could France might get the final or Ireland might get the final. But on the other side, then you're guaranteed, like in England yeah. or Wales, 
or a an Australia or someone like that, like, because stupidly, World Rugby, as usual, did the draw two years before the World Cup. Where in like the, the last time they did the draw, I think Wales were like third in the world or something. Wales, I don't did even know if Wales it? are in the top ten now, are they? Did they do it off? <laughs> did they do it off ranking or did they do it like? They do draw? it off ranking, but they do it two years before the World Cup. Why? Because they're idiots. Yeah. They could literally do it like next year before now, the World yeah. Cup. You just, I, it's it, it's been like every journalist and fan and organization over the world will tell you for the last how many years. It's just everyone just kind of goes, "Why do you keep doing this? Why? Like this doesn't make." Because if What's you look back. Like, I can't believe France, South Africa, Ireland, and New Zealand. Only two of them can get through to the semi-finals. And that's not what you want to see. You want no, the top you want the best in, teams yeah. in the final, the best teams in the semi-final. Yeah, that's not ideal. I'm surprised, actually, now. I didn't realise that South Africa, France, New Zealand, and Ireland are all on one side. So that's going to be tough for France at home. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. On, the pressure is on France because you're playing at home and you're, expect, <sighs> you're, you're going in as favourites at home. And... How is the quarterfinals link up? We're either New Zealand. So or we've got South Africa in our group. So we will play, but depending on where we finish, we'll either play France or New Zealand. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> in the quarters. You have to beat them eventually, so might as well beat them or so, not when the so bodies are fresh. Isn't that right? Because um, I did hear, who were we chatting to a few weeks ago? We're talking about the when Ireland played Argentina in the World Cup in like a quarterfinal. We lost 11 players, did we not? Uh, that was the, yeah, we, was the, we had the French match before that where poor Paulie ended his career yeah. and. I remember, I remember the team, hate. everyone, we lost everyone. We lost Amani in that match. We lost uh, Sean O'Brien in that match for the band. Because remember, he digged Pascal Pape. Yeah. We lost, like, I think we lost about eight players. The team yeah. that, that played against Argentina was... So that's what I mean. Your, your team gets depleted by the end of the yeah. tournament. So yeah. maybe we do want to play one of the big we teams. We have to play South Africa in our pool out. as well. We have to play South Africa and we have to play Scotland. Scotland won't be... Like Scotland can show up in a World Cup if they want to. Oh and then God, we so also erratic. have Tonga in our group like who have mm. some big boys like they know they've you know, they've got the likes of Falao and Pietau in there now, like yeah. and Toa, like maybe he might actually perform a bit better for Tonga. There'll be a few kam- <laughs> there'll be a few kamikazes <laughs> coming there from the Samoans. So you think Ireland will go the whole way, Grand Slam, Six Nations and win the World Cup. Hell yeah, why not? I love the optimism. I think <laughs> that Ireland will win the Six Nations. But I think it'll be a messy one. It'll be like points difference. France will slip up against England or something who just had a big stormer yeah. under Steve Borwick. Yeah. We'll win on points difference. We'll we France think the home as well next year, don't we? we something do, yeah. like that, yeah. yeah. But so Ireland will win the Six Nations, not a Grand Slam. And then France to win the World Cup. Oh. I know, I know. I don't. I think Ireland will do really well. But I think because this is just my, my rugby mind thinking. My heart <coughs> wants Ireland to win it. My heart definitely wants Ireland to win it, but I just think because it's in France, they've gone unbeaten for a whole calendar year. Their squad is unbelievable. They have Anton Dupont. What if he gets injured, though? If they lose Dupont, can they win the World Cup? I know they're an unbelievable squad, but take Dupont out of that squad. They're a different team then, aren't they? Yeah. They're a different animal then. He's that, he's, he's that good. Remember they still hung on to beat South Africa with Dupont went off. They did, they did, but like that's still an autumn international. So I think if you go into our World Cup, you saw the difference he made against Munster. You saw him again the weekend. Mm. He's just so far ahead, and you take him out of that team, and like it's like taking Messi out of Argentina. It's like taking Mbappe away from France. There's very few. It's like taking Johnny away from us. Like if we lose Johnny, we're absolutely fucked. You know, mm-hmm. let's be honest. We are. We're in big trouble. So that's the thing. If we have Johnny for the whole. <laughs> well, I spell actually spelled it correctly. Yeah, sorry. Well, f u f u f u. Anyway. 
Sorry, lad, my language is very bad. There's right. be loads of beeps and cuts in this podcast. We love the passion. Yeah, so France without Anton Dupont, maybe if Dupont isn't around, we might be able to jump in there. But I just can't see France losing, especially now they have supporters behind them. The country's backing them again, so they're just going to be like so buzzed up for it. And they're good in World Cups. They always get to finals. They've beat New Zealand a couple of times. I think you're right. I think the like the obviously they haven't lost in the calendar year. We we've seen a different French team without that kind of petulance if they're not performing well. They in their autumn series they were able to manage games. Ramos is kicking under pressure. Um, obviously Dupont, Aldrich, like they just have man mountains. And again, they're kind of playing to a game plan and they're actually defending. Do you get what I mean? They didn't do that before. They kind of rel- mm. uh relied on their attack more so than their defence but now they've kind of balanced that out they've certainly grown they've definitely grown as a squad like oh absolutely 100%. so I, I agree with you I think actually I don't think they'll fall from their pressure this year I think they'll be bo- like bolstered by it nearly and on home soil I think they'll just relish that to be honest yeah. but for sure that's what I think will happen but Ireland will do well truths. harsh Ireland truths unfortunately well. uh, so <laughs> player to watch coming into this n- new calendar year of 2023 doesn't have to be a youngster can be anyone. Who do you think is really going to step up coming through a Six Nations and a World Cup across the board? Any do you know what? I'm just going to be truthful. The first person who came to mind there for me was Pete O'Mahony. Nice. An old head. Yeah, because I actually think uh, with Arn especially, he's back, he's back playing some of his best rugby. <laughs> do you know? He, so he's... Like, he'd obviously fight with a pillowcase, but he's kind of <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of doing that in the fact that he's not upsetting anyone else around him, do you know? Oh, and he's he picking is. his moments. He's absolutely fantastic at breakdown. Um, like, I thought they were going to lose him in the line-out last week against uh, Northampton. So I was like, wow. Like, he's just so central, even scrum, line-out, uh, tactically, where are we going? He's been in the captain role for Munster and in Ireland. And I just think he's going to be pivotal, actually, to be honest, I think, in this up-and-coming up year for not only Munster, but especially Ireland in hopefully will be a, a Six Nations win and a World Cup win. So, yes. yeah, that's, that's true. That's a good one, Peter Manny yeah. running the line-out. Natural-born leader. Natural-born leader. Yeah, Jason. <laughs> I think I'm going to go, but it's a kind of a... It's an easy enough one, but I think he's probably going to be one of the most important players for Ireland over the next whatever it is, 12 months, is Gary Ringrose. Yep. Because he's just so damn good at the moment. I have never seen someone in the kind of form that Gary... He's actually elevated himself to a level that I will be honest with you, I did not think he was capable of. Mm. I thought we'd kind of seen the best Gary Ringrose and I thought, you know, he burst onto the scene and everyone was like, he's the next Brian O'Driscoll, kind of faltered a bit, but he was always a really, really good centre. But in the last six months, he's turned into a world-class centre. I think you can put Gary Ringrose now up there alongside the Lucanio Ams, the Damien Dale Lindis. He's that bloody good. For sure, yeah. I, and really I, don't, think, I don't think he could have said that six months ago. I really? don't think he could have. I think sure when he, he was never in and out. I think Aki and, and Henshaw were almost ahead of him at one stage. And I think Gary's your first, like, Gary has overtaken them all now. Gary's your first name. And I think that captaincy role that he's got with Leinster, the opportunity to fill in there, it's made him a different player. He's matured. He's had a couple of ch- uh, chances on the wing as well and he'd been forced to put there and has been probably the best winger on the pitch. And I remember I was at the, the Leinster match over in Racing over in uh, La Havre and there was a, 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 a charge down in the a kick in the second half, right? And Ringrose was miles away. Now, now, bear in mind, Leinster are probably 30 points up. This ch- charging this kick down means nothing. He must have ran 70 metres. And I didn't even, see, like, he was in front of me and I'm live at the stadium and mm. I didn't even see him. I just see this, whoom, and he just charges down and he smashes down the kick and you're like, this where guy just, of? where did he come from? Like, to be that determined to charge down a bloody kick 
in the second half when you're like 30 points ahead. And I'm like, this guy is just playing out of his skin. And he's going to be probably our most important player for Ireland. Like, I'm probably going to be one of Leinster's most important players Absolutely. as well. It already is, like, so there's my, my man. Yeah, I also think he can step easily into the captaincy role if needed yes. as well. Well, I said that to Leo in the yeah. press conference afterwards. Like, what do you think of him? The fact that he's been captaining Leinster now, do you see him as a future Ireland captain? He was like, oh, yeah. He is someone, I think, that when Johnny goes, there's your perfect replacement to go in and mm. take yeah, that captaincy so. role because I don't know if Peter will stick around, you know, so... He's, he's built for it. He's meant for it. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Peter's a little bit older, obviously. Only a couple of seasons left in him. Mm. I feel that Gary Ringrose is a better captain than James Ryan as well. I think James yeah. Ryan is good, but he has his head stuck in rocks all the time. You yeah. know what it's like, Lindsay. You don't yeah, have time to be chatting to everyone when you're mm. hitting rocks. Like. Yeah. We, get, we, we had Ryan in there at 13 for a long time. Like, and it was, that was... You, you can kind of control the game well from 13 and you, you can captain the team very well from 13. And I do agree. I think like James Ryan could be like your pack leader because that's yes. essential as to where like where you are in the pitch if the scrum is going well, if you're winning the line out so you can kind of chat to those decision makers in the back line. But I agree, like you're under so much pressure to do your job and it's so cliche, but as a forward, you have a role and that's to retain that ball or carry that ball or get us in the area of the pitch that you need it. So it's very hard to be captain, but you can be pack leader. Mm. And obviously communicate that to where how the pack is doing and where you feel you are on the pitch, you know, where forwards will take over. So I think then it's maybe managing where we're going for points, kicking, whatever. So I think mm. I agree. I think it's better to, to have a back who can see the game and knows the game plan. Yeah. And then work with your pack leader who could be your James Ryan, your Peter Romani, your... There's four or five guys in there that can do that job. Tyg Byrne, actually, I'd like to see come in there as well as, mm. as some of the older players will drop off after the World Cup. Probably. Exactly, yeah. I'm sure with, with Jimmy on there in the, in the last show, he was saying that Gary just is like the glue of the team, telling people mm. where to go and he's so calm all the time. He said Jimmy would run on like a deer in headlights asking a question and Gary would just be so chill. Which just, know, what age yeah. is Gary? Like, Gary's only 26, he's 27. Age, he's 27 so. at most. He probably hasn't even got his, he hasn't even peaked yeah. yet. No. Do you know his he's best like a fullback, isn't you he? You know, his best, best rugby is ahead of him, which yeah. is to think he's going to get better. Yeah. It's quite frightening, to be honest but He was you. like that the whole way. I played school to <coughs> him and all the way up in 20 squads together and he was like that back then. He was just that, he was just that like a head above everyone else. Do you know what mm. I mean? A bit more chill, knew everything, never made mistakes. Always I think the way he came into the scene though was very difficult for him because when you come into an Irish setup, a Leinster setup, and someone goes, you're the next Brian or just <laughs> like, it's yeah. not fair. And like, he probably, I think he did struggle with that because he came in very young for the first couple of years. I mean, you can't just come in and tell a, a, a 21 year old, you're the next Brian or just yeah. probably the greatest centre the game has ever seen, the best rugby player Ireland has ever produced. It's like, yeah, you're going to be him next. Yeah. <laughs> like, the okay, fact that he came back to training the next day oh, after that pressure being put but, uh, on yeah him. I think he, he's only he's finally starting to go into that and we're, we're not using those comparisons anymore no. it's very unfair to no one is he's, he's not the next Brian O'Driscoll he's the first Gary Ringrose yeah, exactly. do you know what I mean and that's the way it should be with all athletes I hate when you're compared to an athlete because it's just not fair like no. he's Gary Ringrose yeah. Yeah, and Gary exactly. Ringrose is a damn good rugby player absolutely <laughs> definitely a player to watch at 23 in that leadership role um, going into those big tournaments because we're going to need him yep. definitely going to need him uh, someone that I want to watch and keep an eye on he's back in the scene now for Leinster and probably the Irish team is James Lowe. Nice choice. Ah, yes. yeah. Nice choice. I think he's going to be very pivotal. The fact that he was out for so long and came back into Leinster team as if he'd never been gone. He was just playing out of his skin and he's obviously really tuned in. I'd say because he's been sitting back watching the likes of Mac Hansen and yeah. Jimmy O'Brien and Robert Balakou and all these guys getting chances being like, that's my jersey. I'd say he's <laughs> targets. He's just sticking targets on all their backs. Yeah. But I think he's used his time wisely. Do you know, he, like again. In good shape. Great I saw him at the match beside him and I was like, he's somehow his legs are after getting even bigger again somehow because he's yeah. absolutely shredded like and just big and like fit, yeah. ready to play. 
He kind of had that Bundy moment, didn't he, when he was out for the eight weeks and Bundy comes back and looks like he ate every <laughs> weight in the gym. So James Lowe's kind of done the same. And I think then tactically looking at maybe position, plus he's like such a physical winger. Huge. Such, like in that game against Racing, he's like, come on. And he's like, he's like, you know, in those computer games, you hear the car crash. He's like that. There's those moments, he's just like absolutely If you watch everyone. him live as well, he's a very vocal player. Always gets involved. Never just hangs on his wing. And if he is hanging on his wing, he's shouting at someone. He's... He's get putting directions in. He's calling for cross field kicks. He's telling the full back where to go. And he's just always bubbly, yeah. up for energy. He's just, and he's, he's another guy as well that enjoys his rugby. Do you yeah, know, do you do you see know what I mean? Spiral kick against Gloucester and it That's just missed out. Well. And he's like. People forget then as well, his left leg, how important a weapon that is going to be yeah. for Ireland. That left boot is like a player in itself, that little left leg. And it's something that we're going to use massively. Well, it's not little, (laughs) sorry. Little is probably a poor choice of words there. But even after the game, like he was laughing and joking and he was there coming up and he was like, obviously we know the situation at Leinster trying to get over. I remember talking to the the guy used to be team manager and he was explaining like it was 11 o'clock at night when they got in and then they didn't get the train and everything like, and as soon as they got off the pitch, James was like, there better be a plane here waiting for us. There (laughs) better be a plane waiting for us. And everyone's just laughing. He's coming off the pitch and uh, it was just, yeah, look, there were, He's massive to have him back. Like, yeah, and I think yeah. we said that before in the podcast. I think our, our best back three is Keenan, Lowe and Mac. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, I like that. And I want my boy Jimmy O'Brien on the bench. Well, Jimmy, we, the, the, the best thing that ever happened to Jimmy was the fact that he came on against the world champions at 13. Now we know Jimmy can cover centre, full back and wing. So what a better, what, there's no better player to have on the bench. You know he can perfect. cover everything. He can cover everything, yeah. Perfect for the role. And he has that other left boot. Yeah. yeah. And there he slipped go. in on the pod that he also can play 9 and 10 if... He can play scrum half as well. We've been so we've got a 9 to 15 on the bench. There you go. There's Lesson. number 23 jersey there. <laughs> there Sewn up, locked. Yeah, now he's well able to start as well, but um, I definitely want to watch James Lowe because of the fact he's come back so strong off his injury. Yeah. That's a guy whose mind is tuned in yeah. and he's ready for a big... Co- Big few tournaments coming up in 2023. So that's really it, guys. We've had an unbelievable calendar year. Really good fun having the band back together to finish off and go into 2023 with a Six Nations and a World Cup. I hope Jason's predictions come true yes. of a Grand Slam and a World Cup win. Um, what about my prediction with Scotland? <laughs> <laughs> so that's it, guys, for 2022. It was nice to round it up there with some... Good players, good moments, funny moments. Um, I want to thank you both for your outstanding work as always. Lindsay, with your insight, thank you very much. No, you too. I have to say, I love you guys. I love the pod. I love our chats. I love rugby. And um, it's just been a great show and one of the highlights of my 2022. Oh, so oh, thank you to you thank both, you. your gentlemen. And Jason, always, man, you're just yeah. getting the job done. Appreciate you being a rugby lad and bringing all your expertise yeah. as well. Thanks for having me, Greg, and thanks for being such a fantastic presenter. Yes. <laughs> oh, thank you. And hopefully now we're shouting on a good monster team for 2023. Am I right? Touch wood. <laughs> <laughs> and also a big thank you to Pat for uh, running the show behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And also want to say a big thank you to Bank of Ireland, our partners and proud supporters of the four Irish provinces. Happy New Year, guys. And we're looking forward to a great rugby year of 2023. Boom, shakalaka. Joe presents House of Rugby, together with Bank of Ireland, proud supporter of the four Irish provinces.